There is an unseen hand to me that leads Welcome to the Unseen Hand Podcast, featuring the pulpit ministry of missionary evangelist Ronnie Brown. Listen in as Brother Ronnie shares the truth of the Bible and how God's unseen hand can lead and guide your life with each and every verse. This hand still leads me as I go. We had been mainly focusing in the Old Testament. I think completely, entirely, we had been in the Old Testament. Well, now we've crossed into the New Testament and we're going to be finishing out through the Bible on the but gods of the Bible. But right here is our next stop in Matthew 19 and verse number 26. Let's all stand out of respect and honor for the reading of God's Word. Matthew 19. Look at verse 26. Matthew 19, 26. But Jesus beheld them and said unto them, With men it is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Let's read that verse again. Why don't we all read it together? It's not that long, not that difficult. Good verse to read together. Uh, Matthew 19, verse 26, let's say it. But Jesus beheld them and said unto them, With men this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. You can be seated. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. And I want to talk to you today about But with God, all things are possible. God interrupts our impossibilities. Have your Bibles handy. We're going to be turning to some different places. A little bit different kind of message than I normally preach. But but God interrupts our impossibilities. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dearly Father, God, we thank you for the folks that have assembled today. God, I pray that you've brought them all here for a particular reason. Some that have traveled a great distance and they happen to be in here today. Others haven't seen come in today. Thank you, Lord, for the ones you've assembled here today. God, I know you have a plan. I know you have a purpose in everything that you do. And so, Father, as we preach your word, I pray that you do that amazing thing, what you do when somebody preaches. I pray you would address needs all through the building. I pray that the heart that needs a convicting of their sin and they need salvation, I pray you do so. Holy Spirit, show them their need of a Savior. Bring them to the cross. We pray for others that may be away from the Lord. They've grown cold and indifferent toward the things of God. Oh God, we pray you'd speak to their hearts. Draw them nigh unto yourself. We pray for those, Father, that are here among us that have been faithful, that follow you, Father. But yet at the same time, things come into our lives and and think we don't know how to handle Father. We pray you'd give them that right word for the need in their life. Whatever the case, whatever the situation, Father, God, we just pray you'd move and work. We ask these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen and amen. Jimmy Smith had developed an interest in foreign missions while he was attending Houston Baptist, Baptist University. After learning of his interest, two missionaries invited uh, Jimmy Smith to go with them to Guatemala to see their work on the field. Kind of a survey trip. Well, Jimmy and his wife, uh, they knew that this was uh, what God may be calling them into, uh, but, but the funds were limited. 
They didn't have the money to be able to buy the tickets and the travel to get them to Guatemala. So they knew that if, if they were going to be able to go, then God would miraculously have to do. God would have, have to do what seemed to be the impossible. Several weeks later, uh, Jimmy Smith went fishing with a deacon friend of his named Gene Alexander. And while they were on the, the lake, they began to talk about the upcoming fishing tournament. The fishing tournament, turn, a tournament touted that the, whoever caught this specific fish in the lake would win a $20,000 prize for catching that fish. Gene, uh, the deacon there, knew that Jimmy was wanting to go uh, to this trip to Guatemala. So he told Jimmy, he said, Jimmy, if you catch that fish, I'll give you $5,000 myself. Well, the day of the tournament arrived and Mr. Smith went in. Uh, and Mrs. Smith, upon hearing about the prize fish, she logged in her prayer journal that she began praying to God. That on the day of the tournament, Jean and, and had reeled in the $20,000 fish as his first catch of the day. <laughs> Gene, a first catch of the day, reeled in the prize winning fish. The officials uh, speculated the odds of landing that fish uh, of his were one in, in 6.8 billion. <laughs> odds were astounding that he'd ever catch that fish. Jimmy Smith and his wife made the trip and God confirmed his call on their lives. They later returned to Guatemala, Guatemala served as the foreign missionaries. You see, our God is a God that can do the impossible. This book I hold in my hand is littered with God doing the impossible. Doing that which cannot be reckoned by man's wisdom. It's woven through the fabric of Scripture. Genesis 18.14 says, Is there anything too hard for God? Job 42.2 says, I know thou canst do everything. Jeremiah 32.27 Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? I'm here to tell you today, there is nothing, I repeat, nothing that stands outside of the ability of God. Every one of us here today can leave in confidence knowing that there is nothing that is impossible for our God by latching on to four facts that I want to show you from the Word of God. There are four facts that if you'll take them, put them in your pocket, leave this place today, you can be confident that there is nothing our God cannot do. The first uh, truth is this. The first fact is this. God overrides our physical impossibilities. God overrides our physical impossibilities. Notice our text in verse 26. Jesus beheld them and said unto them, With men this is impossible. But with God, notice what, what word's next. What does that mean? A-double-L. I checked it out in the Greek. You wouldn't believe what it means. It means all. <laughs> all things are possible. Now I'm going to try uh, uh, to, uh, for a moment, divorce this statement from its text. Now I want to warn you, that's dangerous. We're going to come back to it, look at it in its context, but I want to tell you some things about God overriding our physical impossibilities. 
The most feared word for anyone to hear in a doctor's office is the word terminal. The word terminal indicates that there is nothing else medically that can be done that can help this person. But not so with our great God. Nothing is ever terminal with God. God is a mighty God that can do anything. He can do anything in the start of life. You see, God overrides our physical impossibilities at the start of life. God can do the impossible down at the dawn of life itself. Conception. Abraham and Sarah, if you'll recall in Genesis 18, Abraham and Sarah up in years. Abraham in his 90s. Sarah in their 80s. And yet God comes along and tells them they'll have a son. In their ripe old age of the 80s and 90s. How in the world is this possible? Sarah even laughed about it. Sarah laughed about the situation that God would do the possible, that she would be a mother. But according to the promise of God, in about one year from that promise, she brought forth her son and named his name Isaac. God gave them a, a son. Moriah's wife. You'll remember Moriah in Judges chapter 13. She was barren. And she prayed and they asked of God. And God gave her a son named Samson. You realize Samson was a miracle birth? Also Samuel. Remember Hannah? How did Hannah prayed at the temple so earnestly that the, that the, the, the priest at the time thought she was drunk? And yet God granted her request and opened her barren womb and gave her a son named Samuel. Mary, the mother of the Lord Jesus, she was a virgin that had never known a man. And upon hearing the promise of such a miraculous birth, Mary herself said, how can this be? But with God, all things are possible. And our dear Savior was born uh, through, a, through God working an impossibility in our in physical life. You see, we have the very text repeated there for Mary. For with God, all things are possible. Listen, I, I don't care if it's in your the conception you're trying to have. Maybe you're trying to have, have a few couples here this, uh, this morning. Maybe you're trying to have children. Listen, God's ability in our physical life even reaches out to the start of life. It reaches into the sickness of life. In 2 Kings 5.1, we find a great warrior, a general named Naaman. Oh, he was a mighty man. All kinds of awards and banners and, and a great warrior. But at the same time, he was a leper. He was sick. Later, he was cleansed of a deadly leprosy by dipping in the Jordan River seven times. In Isaiah 38, King Hezekiah was sick unto death, as the Bible said. He turned his face to God and God answered his prayer and prolonged his life. The New Testament, time and time again, in the life of our Lord Jesus, He reached out into the extremity of human illness, blindness, haltness, withered hands, lameness, and Jesus Christ touched lives and they were healed. Even by the hands of the apostles. The, the many miracles and healings were worked by them. 
Listen, I believe He's a God that answers prayer. I don't believe I've got any kind of touch that's going to heal anybody. I don't believe anybody on TV has got a touch that can heal somebody. But I do believe the prayer of faith shall save the sick. I believe that God has the ability to touch our physical ailments. Do you have physical ailments today? Come to Jesus. Pray. Ask God to touch your body. Come to Jesus today. Whatever your physical limitations, whatever the physical problem that you have, you come to Jesus. He can touch. Nothing's impossible with Him. Oh, if you got blank stares on your face. God is a God that heals. It's clear in the New Testament that God can heal. You see, He not only start, He not only overrides physical impossibilities in the start of life, in the sickness of life, but also in the ceasing of life. In death itself, there is no more extreme condition of the human body than death. I mean, you can't get more extreme than death. And yet, what do we find? All throughout the Bible, God raising people from the dead. In 1 Kings 17 and 2 Kings 4, we find both Elijah and Elisha being used instrumentally by God to see the resurrecting power of God in the young men's lives. We find in Luke 7 and 8, Jesus raises the widow of Nain's son and the daughter of Jairus from the dead. In Acts 9, we have the dead that are brought back to life at the hands of the apostles. Listen, you may have friends and relatives that are at the point of death. Don't stop praying. Don't stop asking God. Don't stop in faithlessness. Pray! God is a God that can heal from the dead. God can raise the dead just like He did my deadened soul when I was lost and on my sins on the way to hell. Just as good, just as much as He raised me to the newness of life. God can raise anybody. No physical limitation is outside the reach of God's ability. If I'm ever in a funeral and I'm preaching at funeral and God raises somebody up from the dead, I'll not doubt it, but I ain't going to stick around very long, but I won't doubt it. He has the ability. There's nothing that is impossible with God. No physical formity, no deformity, no physical problem, no health problem is outside the reach of God. You see, He, God overrides our physical impossibilities. Notice second of all, God oversteps our natural impossibilities. Our natural impossibilities. You know, there's nothing in the natural world that lies outside of the capability of God. Nothing in the natural world, in the world of mountains and hills and valleys, in the world, uh, in this world, it lies outside the capability of God. In the trials of life, the children of Israel had, had, had watched and stood by as God brought plague after plague after plague in those early chapters in Exodus. And finally they'd been freed. Finally they'd been allowed to be free. And they walked out of, walked out of Egypt's land, free men on their way to a promised land. But there was a test in front of them. There was a trial in front of them. What was in front of them? The Red Sea. The Red Sea, a natural body of water. Don't, that's not the Reed Sea. You listen, a lot of, a lot of, uh, people that are educated beyond their intelligence, they'll say, no, it was a misprint in the Bible. Moses didn't mean the Red Sea, he meant the Reed Sea. Which is like a little marsh area. They could have walked around. No, the Red Sea. A deep river in which it was impossible to cross. What did God do in that natural circumstance? What did He do? He parted the Red Seas. He parted, and they passed on dry land. 
They walked across that river. God interrupted the physical world to provide for His children. Listen, there's no test you'll go through where God cannot make an impossible happen. Where God cannot part the, the distance that separates you from where you, where God wants you to be. No matter how impossible life looks sometimes, God has a way of working the impossible in our lives. In the testing. Not only the testing, or not only the trials, but also in the testing. In the book of Daniel chapter number 3, we find three exiled young men's faith put to the test in the extreme way. Their faith was put to the test. The world, that uh, they would not bow down to the idolatrous image that Nebuchadnezzar erected. Remember he made that statue of gold? Uh, so, so high and upon the playing of the instruments, everyone was supposed to bow down and worship that golden image. And the three Hebrew children, they refused to do so. They stood by as everybody bound. King brought them in. Huh. Listen, the only thing hotter than the king that day was that furnace. <laughs> Heated seven times hotter than it ever was before. The king brought him before himself. He was hot. He commanded him to bow down. They said they would not. What did they say? Our God is able to deliver us. They believed in a God that could save them from a fiery furnace. You see, and as they were thrown into that fiery furnace, God sequestered, God quelched the fire's natural ability to burn and consume. And we find the boys exit the furnace without even so much as the smell of smoke. No matter how the flames of testing enter your life, there's a God who can do anything that'll stroll through the fires of testing with you. He can do anything no matter how the fire rages in our lives. We have a God that can make us flame proof. We have a God that can part the rivers of life. We have a God uh, that oversteps the natural uh, possibilities in trials of life, in the testing of life, in the tempest of life. Unknowing the tempest that lie before Him, the Lord Jesus herded His disciples and constrained them into a boat on the Galilean Sea. Jesus went up into the mountain to pray. And as He went up there, this day that seemed to start so well for the disciples, a storm quickly developed to such a degree that they exhausted their nautical skills. Who do we see? Who do we find attempting? Uh, who do we find attending their cry of help? Jesus, suspending the natural laws of the universe, walks on top of the water. I believe He walked on top of the water. As some, some folks say, back then, just like they can tell now, back then it was a lot colder than it is today. And Jesus surfed out there on an iceberg. That's what some of them will say. Or, or they'll say, well, the salt content on the water was so high that Jesus floated knee deep. No, my Bible said He walked on the water. Jesus can do the, uh, uh, the impossible in our lives. Listen, has the, has the present raging storm surpassed your navigational ability? Our God can do the impossible. Are the financial difficulties too high? Are the family strains too hard uh, to have too much of a hold on you? Oh, listen, our God is a God that suspends the natural around us. Very poor example. You know, preachers are always looking for illustrations. A lot of times they reach too far. This might be reaching too far. That old van in that parking lot I drive. 
I think God's holding it together. I think he is. I really do. I just want to see how long it'll run. I don't care if Kerry gets me a new car next year. I'm going to drive it until the wheels fall off just to see how long the grace of God will keep that thing together. But listen, our God is God that can do the impossible and can suspend the laws of nature on the behalf of His children. Don't sit there stupefied and look at me like that. He's a God that can do anything with God. All things are possible. Not only can He override the physical impossibilities and overstep the natural impossibilities, but also He can overcome our material impossibilities. Material in the world of supply and demand, we all know, most of us do anyway, that 2 plus 2 equals 4. And unlike the movies indicate, gumballs don't fall from the sky. You see, in this world that we live in, it is, is impossible for us to suspend the laws of material things, of possessions. You see, as the, uh, we see here, when it comes to the needs and the necessities of the children of God, however, He has a way of overcoming material needs. He has a way of overcoming material needs in the essentials of life. When, when the, the million and a, a million or so Jews that had packed up when they left uh, uh, Egypt's land, they left carrying what they could carry in their arms. On the way to a promised land, hundreds of miles away, they didn't have provisions of food. They didn't have provisions of water that could lead them and have enough food to get them to the promised land. I was listening to one preacher talk about how they needed trainload after trainload, boxcar after boxcar of food every day just to sustain that population. They'd have to have millions and millions of gallons of water just to sustain their thirst in those desert lands. And yet they took off on their own, the essentials missing in their lives, their bread. And what happened? God made bread appear on the ground. God made water come out of a rock. God made the rock follow them through the wilderness. God, God made their shoes where they'll never run out, wear out. God made their clothes so they'd never be threadbare and worn. Listen, God suspended the material laws to meet the needs, the essential needs of His children. Why do you think God would do any less for you? Don't you remember what the Lord Jesus said? Matthew 6, 31 33. Take no fault saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? Wherewithal shall we be clothed? Just like them Hebrews when they left Egypt's land. Take no fault to eat. Take no fault to drink. Take no fault to clothe. Just what they can hold in their hands. They go out in the hundreds and hundreds of miles in the desert. What? Because a pillar of fire guarded them by night and a cloud of by day. Listen, God provided for His children. Manna on the ground. Uh, what did He say? Uh, Whether with all shall you be clothed for the Gentiles they do seek. Uh, the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that you need all of these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all all these things shall be added unto you. You see, God has a way to provide the essentials in life. God's promised it in His Word that He'll provide the essentials in life. You see, God overcomes our material impossibility in the essentials in life. Not only that, in the efforts in life. In First Kings, I mean, Second Kings chapter 6 and verse 5. The sons of the prophets, the old preacher boys of, of Elijah and Elisha, they had a mind to do something for God. They said, uh, 
this dormitory we got, it's too straight. It's too small. It, it, it's not enough room for all the preacher boys here. And Elisha, we'd like your blessing to go out there and saw down some logs and build us a new, build us a new dormitory. And so they go out there and they take, they borrow an axe. And this one preacher boy is over there. He's hacking away at this tree, doing a work for God, giving it all he has. And what happens? The axe head slips off, falls down into the water where it leaves, where it's gone without a trace, can't be found in, in that water. And he cried out to the prophet, said, listen, that's what I need to do this work. What did, what did Elisha do? Clip the branch, put it in the water. God suspended the material properties of iron and caused it to float. The iron did swim in that King James Bible. I remember when I was a kid, I saw an axe head with two arms paddling through the water. Hey, that's exactly it. The iron rose to the top. And the young man picked it up off of the water, put it back on there, and continued with his work. You see, what do you need to serve God? What do you need to serve God? Is there anything lacking that you need uh, to throw yourself headlong into the work of God? Matthew 7, 7 says, Ask, and it shall be given to you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be uh, given unto you. Also in Philippians 4.19, the apostle said, But my God shall supply all your needs according to His riches and glory. What's keeping you from serving God? What's keeping you from the work of God? What's hindering you in throwing it all in and going with God and getting your eyes off of every other person in the building and serving the one true and living God? Whatever it is, God can supply it. Whatever you need in your service, God can supply in your efforts in life, in the essentials in life, and also the emptiness in life. The emptiness of life. God overcomes our material impossibilities in the emptiness of life. In 1 Kings 17, the widow, uh, the widow woman of Zarephath was preparing a final meal. The last meal. Her for her and her son. She goes out to gather up sticks. She's interrupted by the prophet Elijah. Who requests that she make him a cake and bring him something to, uh, to drink. And she said, hey, I'm about to put together my last meal. This is it. This is all I got. And we're going to eat this and then we're going to die. Elijah said, you follow what the prophet said. You do what God says and you'll be rewarded. What did she do? She went into there. She made the little cake and she cooked it. She gave it to the prophet. What does God's word say? That the barrel of oil did not empty. And the, the barrel of meal did not empty and the cruise did not uh, finish out. You see, there was always enough. There was always enough. God can take the emptinesses of our lives and give us enough to make it. Give us enough. Oh, it might not be the excessiveness that you want. It might not be the excessiveness that you'd like to have for this life. But nevertheless, if we'll follow God, if we'll love God, we have an all-powerful God that can sustain us in the emptinesses of life. Just enough to get by. Just enough. What about the, the, in, in 2 Kings chapter number 4? The widow woman there had, uh, was without. Her sons were about to be taken by some bondmen. And she come to the prophet. And Elisha says, Fill the, take what little oil that you have and collect up all the vessels you have and take it and begin to fill those vessels. And what did God, God miraculously put oil after oil, after oil. I'm just taking you to different sections in the Bible where God did what He said He can do in Matthew chapter 19, verse 26. Our God can do anything. 
Our God, it is him. God can take the impossible with man and make it possible with himself. You see, God overrides our physical inabilities. God oversteps our natural impossibilities. God overcomes our material impossibilities. And finally, God overrules our eternal impossibilities. Our eternal impossibilities. Now, we're back in our text now. I told you we're going to come back. We're going to look at what Jesus is referring to here. I took you through the Bible and proved to you the all. Because that's the hardest part with most people. Proving that God can do anything. That all things are possible with God. But I want to show you this last and the most important one in the whole text. The statement, verse 26. Look at what it says. With men, it is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. You see, uh, 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 what I've been trying to do is exalt the all. But in the last point, I want to take you back to the context. Look at verse 16. Look at verse 16, what it says. We'll read the following there. And behold, one came and said unto him, Good master, what good thing shall I do that I, may that I may have eternal life? And he said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, and that is God. But if thou wilt enter into life, keep the commandments. And he said, uh, he said unto him, Which, Jesus said, which, which, Jesus said, Thou shalt do no murder. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not bear false witness. Honor thy father and thy mother. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. And the young man said unto him, All these have I kept from my youth up. What like I yet? Jesus said unto him, If thou wilt be perfect, go and sell that thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. Listen, but when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful. For he had great possessions. Jesus turned to his disciples and look what he said. Then said Jesus to, unto his disciples, Verily I say unto you, that a rich man can hardly enter into the kingdom of heaven. Again I say unto you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. Then when his disciples heard it, they were exceedingly amazed and said, Who then can be saved? Jesus beheld them, said unto them, With men... This is impossible, but with God, all things impossible. The most important point of all is my final point. You see, although God has the power to do the impossible, He is not obligated to do so. You see, a lot of you thought I'd just turned a charismatic uh, 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 prosperity preacher, didn't you? You thought that, right? I said, God has the ability. He can heal sickness. He can suspend natural laws. He can suspend material laws. But He is not any way obligated to do so. God may never heal your physical body. God may never turn aside, uh, turn the tide of nature for your sake. God may never see fit to miraculously meet some material need in your life. But there is no doubt that He can overrule your eternal impossibility. He can overrule the impossibility of you going to heaven. You see, the likelihood of a sinner going to heaven without the grace of God is as much a likelihood of a camel making it through the eye of a needle. You see, first of all, God overrules our eternal impossibilities in the ego of our lives. Verses 18 through 20, Christ begins to take this young man down the moral law. 
And what was his reply? All in verse, uh, look at uh, in verse uh, 20. Look at what the young man said. He said unto him, All these have I kept from my youth up. That's a pretty prideful person. That's a pretty, uh, that's a pretty uh, person that is full of themselves to say, I've never disobeyed my parents. I've never committed murder by having hate in my heart. I've never committed adultery by the lusts of my heart. I've never stolen. I've never lied. I got him right there. Psalm 85, uh, Psalm 58, 3 said, The wicked are estranged from the womb. They go astray as soon as they are born. Speaking lies. This guy may never murdered somebody, may always done what his mom and daddy said, but I know he's lied. <laughs> you can't tell me a two-year-old don't know how to lie. Hey, man, I know they do. <laughs> I know the little, even a baby knows how to lie. They know how to cry and get you to come to them and ain't nothing wrong with them. Say amen. They know how to lie. From the, from the womb they come forth speaking lies. This arrogant prideful young man he is so hardened uh, he is so hardened to the fact of his own sin his pride is blinding him to his sin that's why it's hard for a rich man to be saved it's not so much that they have too much money it's the pride you see if you're to have the kingdom of God you must humble yourself in the sight of the Lord you must cast aside your pride yet the convicting power of the Holy Spirit can break a man's pride and give him repentance. Oh, I'll tell you what, you wouldn't find a more prideful young man than myself before I met the Lord Jesus. Prideful and arrogant, cocky as an athlete, cocky as a young man. Oh man, just leave a foul taste in your mouth whenever you'd meet me. Arrogance, full, and, full of pride in my heart. God by His Spirit broke my heart. God by His Spirit humbled me before the high hand of an almighty God and thereby received I repentance unto faith, unto salvation. God can override your pride. I don't care how you walked into this room with your chest hanging. I don't care nothing about going to that church. And I just wish I could get on out. Why do we have to go down that? I don't know why I got to go down and listen to that preacher yell or whatever. Listen, God has the ability to break your pride, to bring you to a point of salvation and repentance. You're not out of the reach of God by your pride in the ego of our lives and also in the iniquity of our lives. In the end, Jesus smashes the self-righteousness pride of this young man by revealing the true sinfulness of his heart. Look at what Jesus said. Verse 21, If thou wilt be perfect, go and sell that thou hast, give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. When the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. You see, it's the sin in our heart. He, Jesus put the pinpoint of the problem on his iniquity. He might have said yes to all the other ones. But when it comes to acting out uh, a life without covetousness, he couldn't do it. You see, Jesus Christ pinpointed the sin. Sin always separates us from God. Iniquity must incur the righteous judgment of God. But miracle of miracles, God suspended His judgment in the fact that He sent Jesus on the cross to die for those sins. He shed His precious blood as a payment for those sins so that the impossibility of a sinful wretch 
drunkard, fornicator, like your pastor, could one day enter the portals of glory, one day make heaven my eternal abode. Amen. You see, God can take the impossibility. I don't care where you've been. I don't care what you've done. I don't care to what depths of depravity you've sunk in your lifetime. There's salvation in Jesus Christ. There is forgiveness of sins at the foot of the cross because God does the impossible. God does the impossible and saves sinners, saves the prideful. And then also, not only in the ego of our lives, in the iniquity of our lives, but also in the envy of our lives. Notice in verse 22, when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. The envy, the covetousness of his life had so wrapped it around his heart that he couldn't release it even for the gift of eternal life. Eternal life. This man walked away from eternal life because he not, could not let go of temporal life. He could not let go of life here to gain life there. What did Jesus say? We preached it recently in Mark 8, 35 and 36. For whatsoever man, for whosoever shall save his life, shall lose it. That's what this young man did. He saved his life from being sold out to Jesus Christ. But in the end, he'll lose his life. Jesus went on to say, Whosoever will lose his life for my sake and the gospels shall the same save it. It's not necessarily talking about martyrdom and physical life, but March the 20th, 1994, I surrendered my life. That's what salvation is. It's just not a prayer. It's just not a bing, bang, boom. You say the sinner's prayer, you're in. They slap you on the back, you sign a card, you get dunked in a booth. It's not what it's talking about. Becoming a believer in Jesus Christ means your life's not your own. That yes, you have embraced Jesus Christ, but in doing so, He owns your life. He bought you. He paid for you. Now you've received that payment. Therefore, your life is not your own anymore. It may seem as though, uh, uh, as though a rich man can never uh, let go of his possessions. Just like this young man did. He wouldn't let go of his possessions. But I want to tell you the truth. Peter's question, who then can be saved? Who then can let go of their possessions? Who, who then can do this miracle work? Jesus said, with God, all things are possible. God overrules our envy and brings us unto salvation. That's what it is in my... Listen, I am living proof. Your pastor is living proof that God can do the impossible. Amen. Drunkard in college, fornicator, a wickeder man, a fouler man you'd ever met in your life. And God changed me. God can do the impossible. A prideful young man, an iniquity, a sinful young man, an envious young man. And how that God can save a soul. How that it's not outside of the boundary of God's ability to change your life. You know, I've got over 6,000 MP3s, audio preaching files in my new drive. Y'all got me. Thank you very much. It's my 500 gig drive. Love the thing. I can put all my messages on one place and carry them home. I love it. But in those five, 6,000 messages, there's a handful that are my favorite. One of my favorite messages is a message by Dr. Harold B. Seitler who once preached from this very pulpit. Harold B. Seitler back in the 70s preached a message called God Can. God Can. 
I believe it was in the Psalms that it said, Can God prepare a table in the wilderness? Isn't that what He did for the children of Israel? And He began to preach that message to that congregation. And God so filled His Spirit in God. And God went all over that place. And most people left that building with a sense that God can do the impossible. That, God, that what may be impossible in the eyes of men, God can do in our individual lives. I remember Harold B. like a sailor saying, God can, God can, God can prepare a table in the wilderness. God can do the impossible in your life. God can, God can. Do you have physical limitations? Listen, God has the power to change them. I can guarantee if you come down here and pray from now until Wednesday that God will do it. I cannot guarantee that. But I can tell you by virtue of the Word of God, He has the ability to. He can. He ain't never going to hurt asking. He ain't never going to hurt pleading with, pleading with God to change your condition. He can. And no matter what natural circumstances you're facing in your life, circumstances of separation, circumstances that, that, that can that contain you in, listen, God can overcome them. There's nothing He can't do. God can overcome our material impossibilities, the need in our lives, the emptiness in our lives, the things that we need the most in our lives. God can meet them. Will He always do it the way we want to? Evidently, no, not, not always. Not always. But He is a God that promises He'll take care of us. He'll care for His children. If He feeds the, if he feeds the birds of the air, and, he, and if they have nests, and He tends to the lily of the fields, then why would He not do the same for His children? Why would He not do the same for His people? Would a son ask a father for bread and the father give him a stone? Would the father ask the, or would the son ask the father for a, uh, an egg and he give him a serpent? Of course not. God's children are underneath the divine uh, providence of God, the divine supply of God. But most of all, your impossible sin condition, your condition outside of Jesus Christ, lost and on your way to eternal torment, can be overcome. It seems impossible the thought of someone as sinful as we being able to enter into the gates of heaven. But with God, all things are possible. I know it's a little different of a message, but I want to exalt the capability of God and tell you that God can. Can I repeat an old preacher and say, God can? Can I repeat an old, an old saint of God and tell you, God can? God can save you today. I don't care what your condition is. God can save you. I don't care what your need is. God can meet it. He has all power, all ability. Why don't you come? Maybe there's a need in your life. You'd like to come down to these altars and pour it before the Lord and say, God, this is my need. This is my impossibility. This is my Red Sea. I don't know how I'm going to get to the other side. I know you want me to be on that side. I know that's where you want me to be. But there's no plan, no way I can get there on my own. God has the ability to part Red Seas. God has the ability to cool the flames of fire. God has the ability to calm the winds and waves of life. God has the ability to meet the supply and the needs of our lives. As we stand to our feet and come with a song of invitation. Maybe you'd like to come. Maybe you're here lost today. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Let's go to the Lord in a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, God, I've tried to be obedient to what you'd have me to do today. God, it was unorthodox. It was different, Father. But God, I want us to leave here today knowing that you can do the impossible. That as we look through the whole view of the Scriptures, from Abraham, from Noah, all the way to the Apostle Paul, we see that you can do the impossible. God, you specialize in that. Even to this day, 
God, if we had an opportunity to stand up and testify, we could glorify your name by giving account after account after account after account of where you've worked the impossible in our lives. Starting first of all with our own salvation, our own conversion. Oh, Father, we pray you'd do the impossible in somebody's life today. We pray you'd save someone. Have every head bowed, every eye closed, no one looking around. No one looking but me. I wonder, are you lost? Oh, you know where you're going from here. You know where you'll direct the car. But the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not. You discount the Lord Jesus Christ in your life. A fairy tale, a figment of men's imagination, an element of folklore, whatever you chalk it up to, this Bible still stands. Jesus is still changing lives and He'll change yours today. Will you come and put your trust in the Lord Jesus? You're a sinner. You've broken God's law. You've stolen. You've lied. Committed adulteries with the lusts in your heart. You've been covetousness. All of these sins are a stench in the nostril of God. And God must judge sin. If He didn't judge sin, He'd be a crooked judge. He'd be crooked, dishonest. What would you think about the rapist that comes before the judge and he's absolutely guilty and the judge says, I like your face, why don't you get out of here? He's a crooked judge. God will be a crooked, crooked judge if you let your lying go, go unpunished. But God has done something about it. He sent His Son Jesus to come live a perfect life, never a sin, to die in your place. Shed His precious blood. Now if you'll humble yourself and repent and receive that salvation, God will impart to you eternal life. You'll be a new creature in Christ. You'll be His follower, His child. You'll be, your life will be His responsibility. Why don't you come? Maybe you've got needs here today. Maybe there seems some daunting, impossible walls of Jericho, impossible red seas that lie before you in 2009. Why don't this be a good place to start in seeing God work and do the impossible? You come to Jesus today. Listen, I've staked a lot in this message. I've stopped, I put a lot on the line today. I said God can do the impossible. I'm going to trust God's word and I'm going to believe what it says that all things are possible with God. Maybe impossible to you, maybe impossible in your mind, but all things are possible with God. Maybe you'd like to come to this altar and pray. What song are we singing, Brother Tony? Just as I am, 342. Why don't you come? There's an altar down here where you can pray. I'll do what I can to show you from God's word how you can be saved. Come, repent, put your trust in the Lord Jesus today. I'm trusting to the unseen hand. We hope and pray that today's episode of the Unseen Hand podcast has been a help and blessing to you. For more information such as other podcasts, ministry helps, blog posts, previous sermons, or how to contact Brother Brown directly, just go to RonnieBrown.net. Join us next time for another message from Brother Ronnie on the Unseen Hand podcast. Until then, may God's unseen hand gently guide you on your journey home. The Unseen Hand